It is uh, another wonderful Sunday, and I love being here with you guys. I really do. Um, as, as I was sitting here for worship, I looked back at the, the congregation, and, and I kind of got reminded of something. And it, it was God just really laying love in my heart. I'm getting some feedback there. Um, I got reminded, you know, when I was growing up that I always had family reunions, and uh, this was a yearly thing where my family from all over the country would come together right outside of Pennsylvania. I believe it's called Hidden Springs Campground. And uh, we would just have a day of fun, of, of games and laughter and talking and that kind of thing. And uh, I've missed that in my life because my family has fallen apart. But God reminded me this morning, I've given you a new family that has a family reunion once a week to gather together to speak and laugh and love and have fun together. So I just want you guys to know that I, I love you guys. Absolutely, we are family here, and it's amazing to be here on a weekly basis with you guys. Um, we need to get more in the habit, though, of, of it not just being a weekly thing. You know, we need to come together. And I'm seeing it grow in this church. I'm seeing people start to, to be more involved, of starting to carry the gospel to the streets and, and to form together in, in different areas of their life. So I just want to encourage you guys. We see you. We're, we're doing this together. Let's love one another. Amen. So the, the message that I have for you guys today is something that God laid on me a little over a week ago now. And uh, it was while me and Devonte, um, the, the new singer for the team, we were lining a football field. And it was uh, just one word that God spoke to me. And I'm not saying that the, the skies parted open and I heard this loud thunderous voice or anything like that. It, it was just pressed in my spirit. So I will refer to that as, as hearing from God. Um, and it, it wasn't anything spectacular of... Thou shalt do this. I don't do the King James. Um, God doesn't speak to me in that way. Um, as a matter of fact, he speaks to me in like a ghetto slang, I guess you can say. It's what's comfortable for me. <laughs> Amen. So the, the word that he gave me was integrity. And it's, it's so good because he's been constantly reminding me of it ever since I heard that one word. And what it was is me and Devante were lining the football field. What should have been a half an hour to 45-minute endeavor, three and a half hours later in the blazing sun, no water left, and it, it just craziness, we could have cut corners, we could have shortened things, we could have done multiple things to make it simpler or get the task done fast, but we couldn't. We had to have integrity in what we was doing. We had to complete it till the end the way that it's supposed to be done. So let's go ahead and pray over top this message and ask for, ask for God to join us in it. Father God, we just, again, we tell you that we love you and we thank you for your voice. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We just thank you for all that you have done, are doing, and will do. God, I ask that you speak in this service, that it be 100% of you, zero of me. God, I always want it to be you that is speaking and shown. God, I ask for, for everyone to receive this with an open heart and an open mind and, and speak to them in the way that they need to hear it, Father God. In, in whatever language that may be, King James or Ghetto, whatever it is, God, speak to us here today. We tell you again that we love you and we thank you for this time together. 
Jesus' name, amen. So after, after I got done pondering this integrity while I was on the football field, um, I started talking to Fred about it and, you know, telling him, I think there's a message forming in this. And, and I gave him that word, integrity. And Fred began to tell me, um, this is the shortened version. I'll give you guys the cliff notes of, of the situation. Um, began to tell me how, how much importance integrity has inside of his life. You know, and he, the, the, the businesses he runs in his home, in his marriage, and, and just all around aspect, integrity. But he, he sent me a screenshot of something that I, that I just found so interesting. And this is a screenshot from our City Reach website page. And it's listed right under core values. And it reads, being a person of integrity is simply doing the right thing in every situation. You exhibit integrity in your job when you live out sound, moral, and ethical principles, especially when no one is watching. It's a, it's a great definition of integrity. And I want you to see that it's a person of integrity is simply doing the right thing in every situation. It does not say doing the perfect thing in every situation because we all will fall short of perfect. You can't do it. There's only one that was perfect. It is perfect. But I love this, and I, I want you guys to take this, this core value with you today because it's not just this building that, that these core values are for. It's for you guys as a family. You guys are this church. You, this is your ministry. It's not our ministry. It's not Fred's ministry. It's, it's ultimately God is the father of it, but you guys are the family of it. You all are the ones that have built this ministry, put this ministry together, led this ministry into the streets. You guys are the ones that have funded it for these events to take place. So I want you guys to take pride in that. And I want you to take that core value with you today, to, to carry that in your life. But it says, especially when no one is watching. I want you to understand this, not just when no one is watching. Integrity, it should be a part of your life at all times. When they're watching, when they're not watching. We'll get a little bit into that here in a second. But when God gave me that word integrity, there was one verse that I could think of. I'm not good at remembering the addresses of verses and, and word for word. Um, I've done entirely too much damage to my brain in life, um, B.C., before Christ, um, that, that has some brain cells that don't operate properly now. So, but that verse that came to me and the, the few words that I can remember of it is Luke 16.10. And it says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. If you can't be trusted with $5, you definitely can't be trusted with the company credit card that has an unlimited spending budget. If God doesn't see your integrity and your, your faithfulness in, in your simple prayer life, how can he ever trust you to do bigger things? He'll give you the opportunity for it, but he'll give it to you in small increments and small pieces to see where your integrity lies within the situation. God didn't just pick me up out of addiction 
and one day set me on a platform and say, here, preach the gospel. No. He laid a Bible in my hands at first. He laid people around me to put my trust into and have integrity in speaking to them to work through issues. And God will do this. For, for all of us, he is doing this. There's just, And I'm sure if you look at your life, you're going to find little places where, where God wants to trust you in the little so he can give you much. So I'm not going to break into the, the Hebrewic and Latin and all that today. But I do want you to see, next slide, of what it says in the English Dictionary. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness, the state of being whole and undivided, moral uprightness. The moral is the inner being of you. It's, the, it's, it's as we put it, the core values. But that, I love that part where it says the state of being whole and undivided. Because here is the problem that we have in much of the church culture, Christianity, and our lives in that, as we all stand like this. God's over here. The world's over here. And what we do is we don't have integrity in either. We go to whichever one is more comfortable at the time being in our life. If it's easy to serve God right now, I'll hop over here. But when it's tough, when, when things aren't going the way I want them to, when it, when it doesn't show benefit to me in the current moment, I step back over here into the world. And this is an issue of the integrity of our walk with God that we must personalize. I can't tell you what your integrity is. I, I can tell you what your character is, but I cannot tell you what your integrity is. I love Google, and I began to, to just Google the word integrity and Bible verses. And, and the, the one that I found that it uses the specific in word integrity is Deuteronomy 9.5. It uses the actual word integrity. So I got to looking, you know, through, the, through my books that I have that, that track things back, web searches and stuff, and, and I found what the, the main gist of where it used this word integrity, what it was saying was righteousness, uprightness of your heart, of your heart, the very thing that pumps the blood through your veins, the very thing that sustains your life and keeps you alive is where your integrity comes from, in the unseen. If God can't trust you with, for your heart, he can't trust you with the rest of it. You must grasp the concept that integrity comes from within. It's not, it's not, just, the, it's not just the doing, it's the thought process in doing. When you do something... Is it with the integrity that I'm doing this to serve God or the world? Am I doing this to receive the, the eternal prize of, of heaven and to stand before God and just see the, the magnificence of him? Or am I doing this to get a pat on the back from the person, the pastor or the, the person in the congregation or my boss or whatever it may be? Integrity 
is within. Now, I told you that there's a difference between integrity and character. I want you to see what character says. Character is the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. A person in a novel, play, or movie. The character of your life is just the outward person that you're portraying to everybody else. You can fool me with your character. I'll let you fool me with your character. I will love you where you're at. But I'm here to tell you that God doesn't see your character. God sees your integrity. God sees the heart behind what you're doing. The unseen, the small things, the thought process. It's so important to understand that that we... What we do is not important. It's why we do it that's important. And serving God is not always comfortable. Having integrity with God is not always skittles and rainbows and that kind of thing. There's times that if I could use any word for it, it, it sucks. Like, it's, 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 it's not easy. Uh, excuse me on my voice here. I know it's squeaking and and cracking. Um, it's been a rough weekend for football. So, uh, <laughs> listen, you guys are probably over the next few months going to get sick of me talking about football. But I, right now, I have football, Sunday service, football. Okay, like it, it's an all week long thing. Some of you parents know what I'm talking about right there. As a matter of fact, my integrity came into question on Friday night at the Allegheny football game. So it's a person in a novel, a play, or a movie. Your character is what you portray to one another. So, we, like I said, that, that scripture that came to me was, was in, in Luke 16. It was verse 10. So anytime that, that a verse comes to me or that, I always read above it and below it. Because I never want to take it out of context. I, I never want to turn it into something that it's not. And, I, and I, I ask you guys to implement that into your life also. Always know what's around it. As a matter of fact, integrity, a lot of what's around it plays into what it is. So I want to read through. We're gonna, it's Luke 16. We're going to start in verse 1. And uh, it reads this. He also said to his disciples, now this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and it's in a parable form. It is a story that Jesus is giving to them to make them understand a point that he is making to them. And it says, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. That is just verse 1, and I want to put a, a picture in your mind. You and I are that steward. The rich man is God. And there's an accusation being made against every one of us at every moment. There there is an enemy who is sitting there accusing you of not righteously handling what God has given you. Now, the man that's in this story did not have what we have today. And that's Jesus. The, the, the man who, who justifies us. The man that, that for the things that we're being accused of, whether they're right or wrong, speaks for us. 
But are you giving Jesus a reason to speak with integrity and confidence of you? Jesus will not sway one way or the other. There's only one thing he will do, and that is speak the truth for you. If you're wrong in the situation, he's going to let you know you're wrong in the situation. If you're doing good in the situation, he's going to let you know you're doing good in the situation. If you're doing the thing that you're doing just to be seen by man, guess what? He's going to call you out on it. And the day that you stand before your rich man, the day that you stand before your God and give an account for what it is that you have done, your heart has to be right in the situation. If it's not, it's not going to turn out good for you. He goes on to say, so he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. You will give an account for yourself. We are, this is clearly told to us. Now, I do not want you to get this twisted. It is not by works that you are saved. But your works come from the integrity of what you're doing. Your, your, if your integrity is in Christ, your works will be good. Whether they look good to you at that present moment or not, or fun to you, if your integrity is in Christ, it will be beneficial on the day that you give an account. Then the steward said within himself, this is, this is, this is our own thought process, imagine yourself as the steward, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig, I am ashamed to beg. So I want you to understand, the steward has not fully lost his job yet. You and I have not fully lost our life yet. We still have time to have integrity in what it is that we are doing. He says, I, this is kind of a, a side note that I noticed this morning, that I cannot dig, I'm ashamed to beg. This is an issue, especially in the American culture of, of us today. I'm too good for that, and I can't do that. So I, I'm just going to... I'm going to weasel my way through to be able to do what it is that I can do. And that's almost what this steward has here. He has this mindset of, of self, self-perseverance, self-worth. What can I do to gain the most benefit that there is for myself? Goes on to read verse 4. He gets a thought process and he says, I have resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, that I they may receive me into their house. So obviously, like I said, he has not been put out fully yet. But he's standing there with this contemplating idea. And it seems to be as we go on in the story, you'll, you'll see that he had some time to correct things with the rich man. He had some time to walk back to him with integrity and say, listen, I've done this wrong. Yes, I messed this up. Please... Like, have some mercy on me. I'll correct the situation. That's a big thing in integrity. You have to be able to admit your wrongs. You have to be able to stand confidently that, that it will all play out. Like, even if, I, even if I did a wrong, there's a second chance for me. Repentance. That's, that's what we need to understand, to turn and walk away from it. You can't walk away from it by just lying about the situation. 
and trying to manipulate the situation. Because again, you have a Jesus that knows it all. He sees the inside and the out of it. He knows the every thought. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? When a man lacks in integrity and is trying to be scandalous, and one of the best things they do, drag everybody else into their mess. You guys ever, you ever had that situation? I know I've done it in my life where, where things aren't working out the way I wanted them to or I wasn't benefiting from the situation. So I took everybody that was around me, sucked them in real close to me, took everything that I could get from them in a beneficial way, and then went on my own little way. Guilty. Guilty. So this is the the man, the debtor, that owes the, the rich man, and the steward is speaking to him, and he said, and he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. This is an integrity question on both of their parts. If, if I owe Devante $10, and Whitney comes to me and says, hey, you only owe Devante $5. My integrity that is within myself should go directly to the source, should go directly to Devante. Hey, I was told I only owe you this. He'll then tell me, hopefully he has integrity to be truthful, yes, you only owe me that. Whitney gave me the other five. Or, no, I don't know what you're talking about, you still owe me 10. That is an issue that I've had to learn in my own life is to, to verify things with the source. And I, I say that to, to include that even with God's word, it does not matter what you hear from me. It can be a helping tool. It does not matter what you hear from Fred, the, the person who knows the Bible inside and out. Go back to the source and verify it for yourself. Have integrity in your relationship with God. Do not just take another man's word on it. Because if he is a, if he is a wrong steward, you will be re- led wrong also if you only take their word in it. Or they may be purposefully twisting Scripture to benefit their own self-will. And we've all seen that happen. So $1,000 now and you'll receive this. No, you, that doesn't say that. Nowhere in Scripture. Okay? And I, I, I want to say that I apologize to all the pastors who have done that, but I'm not. Please stop doing that. Like publicly saying that. Please stop doing that. You sow what your heart is. Yes, has God called us to certain things? Absolutely. But again, a lot of people don't know this because they've never verified for their self. What is your integrity in God? What is your integrity in your prayer life? 
Question that for yourself. Again, I tell you, I can't tell you what your integrity is. I can tell you, hey, your character should come up to the altar on Sundays. Good job. But I can't tell you what's happening on a Tuesday afternoon when the family's stressed out, the bills are due, the cars broke down. Are you spending time in your prayer closet? Do you have integrity in your relationship with Christ and verifying for yourself? So he said 100 measures of oil. But I want you to see what, what he does to the second man that's involved in the situation. Verse 7, then he said to another, and how much do you owe? So he said 800 measures of wheat. They both owe 100 measures. 100 measures of oil, 100 measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. Anybody catching the problem there? Why does he get 50 and I only get 20? Man, here's my voice again. Sorry. <laughs> sound, like a, sound like I'm 12 going through it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but why does, why does he get 50 and I only get 20? Because a person that has no integrity, that is trying to get one over on somebody, will only use you to what benefits them. The one that's getting 50, I can probably stay at his house five days a week. But this guy over here, I'm only getting two days a week out of. If he was doing it with a heart of integrity of, I want to help these guys, even though it's a wrong situation, he'd have gave them the same. And in your integrity, I ask you to do that. Do you treat every person that you come into in life the same? Are you honest with your children the same you are with your wife or your husband? Do you, do you put on this, this face for your pastor and a different for your boss? What is your integrity in what you do with others? Where's your love? What is your integrity in that? God doesn't call us to, to love this person different than this. Our character of loving that person is different. I, obviously, what I do with the love with my wife is way different than what I'm going to do with my love for Devante. John, weren't we just talking about people calling it out during service? <laughs> Amen. I love it. So, but our, our integrity and our love, our integrity and our stewardships, our integrity and our friendships. If your integrity is a core value that is at your heart, integrity will look the same in front of, in front of this person, in front of this person, and in front of this person. If your integrity is the same for all three, then your character with all three will be the same. You want to know if you've got integrity? Ask ten people what they think about you. If you get somewhat of the same answer from all ten, you're doing a good job. You get ten completely different answers that, that are sideways from one another, you may want to check yourself in the core issue. So the master commanded that the unjust steward, because he had dealt shrewdly, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of the light. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous manner, then that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. 
make it by unrighteous man. Jesus is very clear right here. What is his exact word? That when you fail, not if by chance you happen to slide by me, not if, if this happens, not there's a chance of this happening, receive it unjustly and you will fail in the situation. But it says, for the son, excuse me, so the master commanded that the unjust steward, because he had dealt shrewdly, because he dealt shrewdly, the rich man gave the steward an opportunity to account. God has given you and I an opportunity to account. God has given us an opportunity to do what we just talked about the other week. Repent. Walk differently. But what this steward does not do is he gets caught up in his mess and instead of having integrity and being honest about his mess, he tries to deal with it even more shrewdly. Oh, you're, you're gonna, there's a possibility you take my position away? Well, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and really you know, do, some, do some different things. I, I'm going to go ahead and make you lose $50 here, $20 here, $30 here. I, I'm going to deal with it the same way I have been. And this is an issue. And, and I see it all the time. Is, is people, they get caught up in their situation. I'm going to use our hope homes, for example. They, they get caught with cigarettes or whatever it may be that they're, they're in trouble for. 95% of the time, you know what they do? Oh, I found that on the street. Oh, I did this. Oh, well, this, this happened. They don't have the willingness to say no. Like, I, my brother that visited, I gave him $5 and he went and bought me a pack. I hopped out the window last night, ran down the sheets and, and, and ran back. But here's the thing is, is they all get caught up in it. People that deal with it truly, you will eventually get caught up in it. It may not be this time. It may not be the next time. But eventually, it will catch up with you. And even if it's not your home director, your mother, your father, or somebody that, that is physical form that catches up to you, there will be a day that you stand before God and you will give an account for what it is that you have done. If you don't have integrity within your repentance before then, shrewdly is how you will be dealt with. Verse 10, the very, verse, the very first verse that we started off with. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not, this is verse 11, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous man, who will commit to you your trust, the true riches? You have been given... Manum. And I, when I read that word, I, I, I listen, before anybody says it after service, I know God says don't change his word, okay? But sometimes I have to paraphrase to understand it in my own brain. So I'm not like scratching the words out in my Bible and rewriting new words, writing the uh, Philip version of the Bible. I'm not doing that. But anytime I read that word manum, I think the world. You've been given the world. God has entrusted you with something now. How are you stewarding it? 
your home, your finances, your car, your family, your friends, your ministry, all of it. How are you stewarding what you have now? Because if you're not stewarding it with integrity of the heart of God, how can He ever trust you with the true riches? God already cast all them people up out of there. He ain't going to let you in there. If you're acting the same way, what He's already cleaned up, why would He allow again? And if you have not been faithful, this is verse 12, if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Nothing you have today is yours. Not a single being of it. Not a single dollar in your pocket right now. Not a single piece of your home. None of it. Everything that you have is created by, owned by, God Himself. If you can't be trusted with the things that you have now, why is He going to trust you with your own mansion? in his kingdom. He says, I'm preparing a place for you. I'm preparing it for you. It is yours once you receive it. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one, despise the other. You cannot, say it again, you cannot serve God and manum. I think I'm pronouncing that word correctly. You can't do it. And again, the biggest problem that we have is we try to do this. I try to stand both feet on the sides of the track, and whichever one is more comfortable is what I try to serve. God is very clear about this. You better just go ahead and step over in the world if you want to serve it, or step over into His kingdom if you want to serve it. We'll get into a verse about that here in a few seconds. So, we're talking about that your heart has to be in serving God. God has called us to do things here on earth. And I want you to see as it says in Colossians 3, starting in verse 22, it says, Bond servants, obey all things your master according to the flesh. All things of this world, okay, you are to obey. You may disagree with them. You may think it's stupid to wear the seatbelt. It affects me. I, I struggle with it. But we are called to obey the things of this world that have been set in front of us. Not with eye service. You've been called to cry out at an altar. But not for the congregation. You've been called to do it for another reason. You've been called to make disciples preach the gospel. Not so people can see you on the corner standing on a soapbox, but so those true disciples make. As man-pleasers, not with eye service as man-pleasers, but in serenity of heart, fearing God. First and foremost, the reason that you do what you do should be done for God. Wholeheartedly. I don't love my wife just because she's my wife. I love my wife because God has called me to love my wife. 
my wife sent me a text message this morning of, of encouragement. And, and I had to give her a reply of like, thank you. It, it means a lot when I receive encouragement from her. It means a lot when I receive, I see you doing a good job. It's, I'm, who agrees with me? It's important for your loved ones to encourage you. It feels good. But wholeheartedly, and I told her, that's not why I do what I do. I do what I do because it serves God. Am I doing it perfectly? Absolutely not, and I'll be the first one to tell you that. But am I doing it with integrity of my heart in the best way that I can? Yes. And my integrity is not going to look like your integrity. I drive that point home a lot because I want you guys to understand that your Christian walk is not going to look like mine. Your, your evangelism, your discipleship, your building of ministry is not going to look like the person sitting next to you. Are we called to do it together? Absolutely. Some of us may be called to, to homeless outreaches. Some of us may be called to missions trips. Some of us may be called to preach. It's all, and I want everybody to please grasp that. Stop comparing yourself to everybody else. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. If you're only doing it, and God, God speaks, I, I don't know the exact address. God speaks to this. If you're doing it for man, their praise is all that you'll receive. That's your reward. In the comparison of things, that's a sucky reward. Because where you're going to end up later on down the road. <laughs> Here's your trophy, pat you on the back, go to hell. It's simple. If that's what you're seeking is man's approval, that's all you're going to receive, but you're going to receive an eternity in misery if that's what you seek. But if you seek it with an integrity of the heart of God, you get a magnificent reward. Things that are unfathomable to where we are. Things that, that our mind can't even grasp the concept of. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. I told you earlier that Jesus when he pleads your case for you, when he's your advocate, he's not going to have a partiality. He's not going to say, oh, well, I know your wife did that to you, so it's okay that you acted the way you did. No. There's not a pat on the back participation trophy for heaven. There's only one way to win it. Run the race. To, to do as he's called you to do. To obey the words that he has written for you. We make it like it's a hard thing. God gave us a book that's about yay thick. Okay? Depending, some are large print and are a little bit thicker. But there's only so much in there that, that, that you have to obey. There's, there's, it's not like you start studying the day that you, you're born and, and you haven't read the end of the book by the time you die. You have plenty of time to understand what he's saying to you. You don't have to be perfect, neither. That's where your advocate comes in. If your heart 
is I'm doing this for God. Even if you mess it up at some point in time, even if you fail, even if there's a wrong in it, but your heart behind it is for God, your advocate will then plead your case. But if you're doing it with a heart of, I want Jen to see me, I want to impress my wife, Jesus is going to stand there beside you on the day that you give an account. He's going to say, yep, that one is true. Yep, he did that. Yep, he did that. That's not what I want. That's not what I want for any of you. And that's, that should be a scary thought. Where is your integrity in your heart? So, again, we do not do things for man. We do not, we do not do it for, for that a boy and good job. But I don't want to get completely sideways on that. I want you to understand that in your integrity, the world does need to see it. First and foremost, it is done for God. But the world needs to see it because that's what makes it attractive to them to make disciples. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthians. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 17 through 21. Titus welcomed our request that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was very eager to go and see you. The Apostle Paul is explaining that, hey, I know that you guys want to see myself and Titus again. Um, I've talked to Titus. Oh, he's coming to you. Awesome. We are also sending another brother with Titus. All the churches praise him as a preacher of the good news. We're going to send somebody along with us to, to go with Titus. But there's a reason that he's doing this. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem, a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. I want you to see that. A service that glorifies the Lord. First and foremost, our job is this. We are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. Get an accountability partner in your integrity. First and foremost, serve God. Do what you're doing to serve God. Okay? If the world doesn't see it, you still receive God. We want the world to receive it. And this is something that we all need to grasp that this is an area that will help us greatly with an accountability partner. Not only will this show the world that we have integrity and that we are walking in righteousness and doing the right thing, but it will also help you. Temptation and sin are everywhere that you look. Sometimes you can't see it yourself. But with an accountability partner, in your integrity, they can help you to identify where something is at. So if I start to, if I start to, to, to go sideways on something, or, or I even glance at something that I shouldn't glance at, your, your integrity partner, and say, hey, brother, mm -mm, you don't want to do that. And he can help you focus from over here back to here, where your path needs to be. But also, you want it, the world needs to see it, and that's what the Apostle Paul is, is discussing with them here. We know that we're doing what we're doing 
to glorify God. We know that we're doing right by it. But we want your church to know as we come to you that the gift that left here is the same gift that you're receiving over here. The integrity in, in the offering is very important. And, and it, it's why there's always accountability, and especially when it deals with things like finance and that. There's always two that count. There's always two that mark it off. There's always two that take the bank. There's, there's things that are done to verify that it is done correctly. Even myself, and I, I don't say this to boast or brag or anything like that. I'm just showing you that, that there's accountability that needs to take place. And this is the one that the world needs to see. I'm never in that office alone with someone of the opposite sex. It does not matter. There will always be my wife or a third party that is involved in that. Female calls my phone. I put it on speakerphone, no matter what it's talking about, when my wife is near. Now, there is that 10% that they call. There's nobody around me, and I'll tell you what I do. Hey, I need to give you a second phone number, and I need you to call this and talk to her. Accountability in it. You've got to get it. Hope Holmes, I want you to take this lesson. Anything you do, especially because of our past, get accountability in it. Yep. Even while you're in the home. So that not one person can say, I've seen Jen doing this. Because Jen can say, mm -mm. Autumn was with me. She was standing there at that moment. That didn't happen. Protect against these things. Safeguard yourself is a reasoning for an accountability partner. But... Please just grasp that. Please, please. You're not doing it for the person. You're doing it for God. But accountability will protect you in this world that we live in against the criticism that Paul is talking about here. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord. First and foremost, we are careful to protect our life with God first and foremost. But we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. If your leadership doesn't make it well known that they're honorable and what they're doing, you're less likely to follow them. If you question what they're doing at all, you are less likely to believe them. It is very important that we are honorable to the world. And I told you guys at the beginning, this is your ministry. You all represent City Reach Cumberland. There's not a single face by itself that represents this church. Are you doing what is honorable, first and foremost for God, but also for the world out there to see so that God looks attractive to the world? Or you're running around like a bunch of hoodlums, making commotion and doing craziness and representing wrong. Next time you're faced with, with, a, with a situation out there, remember what you represent. I'll be honest, it's one of the reasons that I wear series Carmelin shirts all the time. It's an accountability to me. If I even think anything sideways, I'm representing something that is so much bigger 
than me or this moment that I'm in right now. I do need to stop wearing City Reach Cumberlands to sporting events because I can promise you I do misrepresent a couple times. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. There was a study. It was done by a Christian university. It took a few thousand people. Next slide. And this is what they came up with. Out of the the few thousand people that they studied, 9% stand truthfully in God and live for him. 9% stand truthfully and live for the world and want absolutely nothing to do with God. 82% stand in the center like this. I didn't put the next picture of this, this study I was reading up, but it shows that little set of legs laying down in between two poles with his feet up in the air and, and like kind of crushed in the center. But that's exactly what's happening. Is, is you're standing here, you're a foot in the world, a foot in God, you're not going to succeed. If you want to succeed in this world, go to the world. Live for the world. Gain the money. Build the house. Do it all in the way that you see fit for the world. If you want to follow God, get over on that side of the boat. Start reading your word. Start praying, spending intimacy with him. Have integrity in your, in your discipleship. Have integrity in your repentance. Have integrity in your time with God. Because this is one of the scariest facts there is. Revelations 3, 14 through 16. And to the angel of the church, and I'm not going to pronounce that word. You guys see it up there. Writes, there's no L in it. <laughs> These things says the amen. Let it be. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. The very God that spoke everything into the universe into existence with a word says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. If a word is that powerful, I don't want to know what his vomit is like. I do not want to be thrown out of his mouth with a force like that. Imagine what comes along with that. This ought to literally just penetrate your mind and say, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm, taking, the, I'm, I'm taking this foot up and I'm putting it in God. I can't deal with that no more. If you want to go to the world, you get 80 years, 90 years, maybe 105 years, whatever it is that your life will live, that you can live good. I'm not shooting to live good for 100 years. I'm shooting to live good for eternity. Amen. Amen. Can I worship team? So I want you guys to, to think about your integrity today, what you represent, what you're for, where is your integrity? What is your integrity with God? Your prayer life. I can't, I can't tell you how important it is to know the voice of God. God worked this word integrity with me in, in, in every aspect of my life here ever since he spoke it to me. Even the other day, I'm walking back through the sanctuary after God had spoken this to me, and there was a cup sitting on the heater over there. I don't say this to boast or brag. I'll tell you how you, how you know the voice of God and how it will affect your life. I seen that cup. I was in a hurry to go somewhere. Leave my office, heading out. 
I kept walking, and I heard that word again. Thought to myself at first, ah, women's home will get it when they clean up. <laughs> Where's your integrity? I made a promise to you guys a few months ago that I will do everything in my power for this ministry. But if I can't pick a simple cup up, how can I be trusted with the keys to the church? Integrity. Where's your integrity? Next time you see a cup of water sitting somewhere, are you going to leave it for somebody else? Are you going to do what God's called you to do? What God's gave you two legs and hands for? The work of something simple to be trusted with something so much greater. Can I get you guys to stand? I want to ask if there's anybody here that's in that 82 percentile and you want to make the step today to place both your feet in God. Our team is here. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We want to be your accountability partner in your integrity. We want to be here for you. Or maybe you're somebody that just lives in the world. You want to take that step to come out of the world and live an eternity of greatness, not just a few years here in the world. If that's you, this altar's open. You're, you're more than welcome to it. Come see us after service. We're here for you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. We thank you that you give us multiple opportunities to step over into your kingdom. We thank you that you give us an opportunity to repent. We thank you that you have grace and mercy. We thank you that you gave us an advocate to plead our case for us in front of our accuser. God, we ask that, that our hearts be filled with integrity of you as we walk away from here. God, allow this to be something that dwells inside of us and reminds us constantly. God, we ask for integrity of prayer to be in us. Integrity of love. God, we never want to stand double standard. We want to stand for you. We want to show your love. God, remove us and place your spirit. God, if there's anybody here that does not know you, if there's anybody that stands in the world and you, we pray for them today to receive your spirit in full. God, to walk in a newness, to, to stand firmly in you, not in the world. God, we tell you that we love you. We thank you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.